Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and pick winners. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an All-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Chicago sports betting. Touchdown, Ohio State. There are some folks who are celebrating <laughs> and others who are saying, you've got to be kidding. You kind of know what I'm thinking about. Over or under? Under would be the key word. Hello? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. With tonight's early odds guest, we present a gentleman in the sports betting community. His name is Adam Chernoff. We've had him on this show on 670 The Score many different times, and Adam joins me on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Shop over 500 new and used vehicles at Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. He's our Canadian friend. You can check him out on the Simple Handicap podcast during the football season, and he's also started this new thing, FaceTime Football. How you doing up there, Adam? Doing well, Joe. Is it football season yet? Uh, no, I don't know if it can we ever say that we're supposed to be preparing for training camp and we're pretending there's going to be a major league baseball and NBA season Stanley Cup playoffs. But in the back of our minds, most of us know that I don't know that any champions will actually be crowned. So when it comes to football, if you listen to Dr. Fauci, it sounds like that's a big no. Just let's keep stay positive. Let's not be saying that too loud and just hope that those are just sort of slide away in terms of what he's presenting yes let's just move forward pretend it's pretend the wave is over and hopefully the second wave doesn't get here but i know you as an nfl college basketball and a golf guy now pga tour back in our lives over the last month or so uh but before that what were you doing 
Not a whole heck of a lot, that's for sure. March and April were very quiet. Um, after the football season, this is as bad of a beat and as bad timing ever. In late February, early March, I started what was I was intending to turn into a gambling travel vlog series, and I started in the Dominican Republic, and I was going to retrace my steps through the Caribbean, South America, and then I had this huge road trip across the United States to check out all these different sports books. And so, obviously, a pretty poor time to start a travel series on YouTube uh, about two weeks before a global pandemic set in. Oh, man. Yeah, now that you mentioned that, I remember some of the videos that you were posting on Twitter. Uh, which cities did you have marked as potential stops? So I started in the Dominican Republic where I began my entry into the sports betting world and started my career 10 years ago. And so I was going to do the Dominican Republic. I had a trip over to Colombia planned. I was also going to go back to Trinidad and Tobago, but the trip around the United States was going to be about 14 to 17 days. It was going to take the dog and then the wife was going to meet up eventually, but we were starting. So in Alberta, where I'm from, we're north of Montana, was driving all the way to the East coast into New Jersey and then was going down through sort of the barbecue states in the southeast, um, check out a bunch of different restaurants. Then was going to get over and check out the sports book that's available in New Mexico and then head north from there. So it was going to be like a 17-day trip. I had the map. I had all the camera gear for the car and everything planned out. And that was literally like March 10th or 11th. And I believe the border closed on the 15th. So... I'm glad I didn't ultimately end up leaving, but it was just as bad timing for an adventure as possible. Mm. Was the idea just to to show with video evidence and conversations with people how different sports betting is uh, from area to area? Yeah, I, so when I was going to these different countries just to shine a light, like a place like the Dominican Republic, I don't think many people know what goes on beyond the resorts. In reality, there's hundreds of sports betting shops on corners scattered throughout the island that are really quite well put together and have a lot of great offerings. Uh, you're able to bet on a wide variety of things. It's really well put together. And then other places like Columbia, very similar. It really doesn't get showcased a lot. And then from the States, from just my perspective, it was going to be interesting to see the different casinos, different state by state, how things are coming together. So I didn't really have like a huge plan for who I was going to talk to. I was just sort of going to let it happen and just drive in a car or fly to different countries and check it out. But I had a pretty long itinerary uh, between North and South America that I was going to go through, but it just, it ultimately will have to wait, I guess, for maybe next summer. <laughs> maybe, hopefully. I I'm glad you mentioned that you're ex about your experience in the sports betting business and I'll, I want you to promote FaceTime football in just a minute so people can sign up for that and get that directly to their phones, explaining what it is. But uh, I know you're talking to some of the sharper minds in the betting community when it comes to the NFL. Uh, I'm curious, is there anything that you've learned, someone that is entrenched in the community and you've been around the block? Uh Definitely getting a lot of different perspectives, not only um, from like teams and specific stuff heading into the season, but also getting a glimpse into how different betters think. And so just to put FaceTime football in a sort of 10-second summary, um, I'm a big believer in sort of testing out different mediums. I really enjoy doing broadcasting and creating content. 
I think that we can all relate to how we live our lives through text messages. And then you go on a platform like Twitter, it's really noisy. It's very difficult for people to communicate. It's a terrible place to have a conversation. Started up a, a show through text messages that plays if you have an iPhone, right? In your text messages, if you have an Android phone in your message app, it'll just play and the video will start. And so I, I've called different betters on FaceTime, recorded the calls, just like the Simple Handicap podcast. It's like four to six minute episodes, really quick, no sort of fluff and filler. It's just right to the point. And I'm getting different perspectives on the NFL season, different ideas on how to bet. And then I also do in other days, a Q and a series where people text in questions and I answer them. So um, I just, it really a, a wide variety of different ways that people think about football. I had a really prominent better in the U S space talk about middling off of different numbers and how the value of different key numbers in the NFL is changing, not just because the scoring is going up, but because of how the market's reacting. So instead of looking for buying three and taking back three and a half, now other numbers are becoming more popular because books are adjusting. So it's just a lot of different things to take in in really short segments. And I've had a lot of fun producing it. So uh, I hope to continue it going up to the season and potentially throughout the season with different betters and bookmakers. Love it. It's a terrific idea. Why don't you uh, plug the phone number so people can get those texts? Sure. So if you want to send a text message and get on board, uh, it's actually through a California number. But you can text it if you're anywhere in Canada or the United States. And the phone number is one three one zero three five nine. 0435. All you do is send a text message and you'll get a link back and then the show will show up in, in your phone. And if you don't like it and it's not for you, uh, you can take your number off the list right away. With Adam Chernoff, this is Joe Ostrowski, our early odds segment, Sports Radio 670, The Score. Want to get to golf in a few minutes, uh, but we're, since we're talking football right now, I know you have a passion for the NFL. You do so much homework over the summer preparing for the season What's top of mind for you right now? Uh, we'll get to the Bears in a couple of minutes, but elsewhere, uh, what teams are you thinking about? It could be futures, win totals. What's on your mind? Uh, I'm high on Baltimore. Uh, I think that their win total is obviously very high, the highest in the league, but I think that this is a team that addressed their biggest weakness last season, uh, which was interior defense. They really struggled to stop the run. We saw that in the Titans game in the playoffs. Uh, but they went out. This is a very competent organization with the management. They addressed that need, doubled down, got one of the best run-stopping defenders in the NFL. They added another guy behind them. Ultimately, contract fell through. They went up the next day, um, buffed up their defense. But also, you look at like last year, that roster was historic in terms of any numbers website you look at stats website like they set the new bar through 13 14 weeks of the regular season before guys started resting the majority of that roster returns there's 16 of the starters on both sides of the football returning this year they've added uh, a couple big names as well now they have some playmakers that they got through the draft they've got some speed i think that lamar jackson this is a big year for him to continue to progress for, as a pocket passer his legs were the story last year, but he's so good at throwing the ball downfield. And now he's got a couple more names that he can throw to. So really high on the Ravens and what they can do. And interestingly enough, another team from the same division, I um, think we get a little more value here from the Cleveland Browns. And if you listen to a lot of betting content, you're probably used to every single summer hearing um, folks like myself talk about the Cleveland Browns. But this is <laughs> one year where I think it really – is is 
being treated in a different way. Like we're used to the Browns being this sort of toxic organization last year with, with the coaching and the management and all the big names that came in. Like it was just so obvious that that was a bad situation, but now Kevin Stefanski comes in and up to this point, everything in the off season that he has said suggests that this team is going to go from the arguably the worst managed team in terms of putting offensive players in the position to succeed from a year ago to one of the best. And the reason why is Baker Mayfield is going to be a huge part of this. And through his short career, we know a couple of things. He's much, much, much more comfortable, accurate, and more efficient when using play action or heavy personnel. So two tight ends, two running backs. Kevin Stefanski, if we think about what the Vikings did, Chicago listeners will know, loves to use play action, loves to get his quarterback rolling out of the pocket, loves to utilize heavy personnel, loves to use crossing patterns downfield in his routes. That's exactly what he's bringing to Cleveland, and that's exactly what Baker Mayfield needs. And all the press that he has done, everything that he has said has reinforced how much he is going to stress that. And you look at the Browns roster. I mean, they're absolutely loaded. They bring in Hooper at the tight end spot to go along with Njoku, hopefully stays around for the sake of the Cleveland Browns. They need to keep him and not let him walk. And then you obviously have Chubb and Hunt in the backfield to provide those two running backs. So this is going to be one of the more creative offenses in the entire NFL. I think it's a huge year for Baker Mayfield, a huge year for the Cleveland Browns overall. Their win total really low. And something else just to finish, last year, historically difficult schedule, the most difficult in the NFL in terms of opposing defenses and opposing secondaries face this year an enormous switch. They go all the way up to the second easiest in both of those categories. The biggest jump, 32nd, most difficult to second, second most easiest in terms of the opposing defenses they face. So everything is lining up for the Browns, and it just looks a lot different this year. So big on Cleveland, big on Baltimore in the AFC. Adam, last summer, Bears are coming off a 12-4 and uh, rookie season for Matt Nagy. There's it's silly, but there was talk about Trubisky winning the MVP or there being value in that bet. Uh, according to some, they were in the Super Bowl conversation, and a year later, they're coming off an 8-8 eight and eight season. They have a new quarterback, may or may not start week one in Nick Foles. And if you venture outside of the Chicagoland area, it, it sounds like it's, it's the consensus. People are down on the Bears. Where do you stand on them? Well, we've definitely seen some money come in and bring that down. And you mentioned money last year on Trubisky. There wasn't just some of it. There was a ton of it. Like his <laughs> odds were slashed around this time last year. Uh, every, everyone was lining up to bet Trubisky to win. But even that season last year, I mean, they lost about half, uh, half a yard in terms of net yards per play. That was put them in the bottom six of the league. So it, it probably looked a little bit better than it actually should have turned out if we're looking at sort of historic performance. But I'm um, going to be curious to see what happens with the interior of that defense. Obviously, Hicks last year going out, that was a huge loss. And that it, the ripple effect of his absence throughout the rest of the defense and how it put uh, extra stress or allowed teams to handle the pass rush in so many different ways really sort of neutralized that Bears defense. And then that sort of just took its toll on the offense that was never explosive to begin with, put way too much pressure on them. So I think that that's something that really needs to be talked about and really focused going into this season. But something interesting, and I mean, it may be something that's sort of a main staple within Chicago, but things that I've been hearing, and this goes back to the start of last season, 
and they'd often talk about it on the podcast, and it was pretty evident. We saw the pass rate in neutral game state situations. So what that means is any time that the Bears were either winning by seven points or less or trailing by seven points or less, Matt Nagy used the highest pass rate in his entire career as an OC, as he was with Kansas City, or a head coach as he has been with the Bears now for a couple of seasons. It was it was over 63% in terms of his pass rate. And if we look at the season prior, uh, it was all the way down at 53%. And the rumor, I don't know if you can confirm this or what have you, but the rumor was, at least what I've been privy to, was Nagy's obviously not happy with Trubisky, realizes that he's stuck with them, and there was an emphasis that he put on his very complicated playbook to make it more difficult for Trubisky to handle. And I think we can look back at specific games where Trubisky was not uh, permitted to use his legs as often as he should have to open up those receivers downfield to make them more comfortable, but also forced to pass in situations where historically looking at a Nagy offense was not something that he was doing as frequently as he was last year. So I'm going to be very interested to see, first of all, if Foles gets the job and then how much that ultimately changes the playbook. We know Nagy, very smart guy, can put together a very good offense. It's notoriously one of the most difficult to learn in the NFL, but I can't help but wonder how that dynamic that might not be getting enough attention is going to play out here now that there's another competent quarterback behind Trubisky. Uh, we'll see how that ultimately play out, but it's going to be something interesting to watch, at least something I'm keeping my eye on, because I think it's going to be really telling uh, what comes out of camp and what comes out of sort of the first few weeks of the season. And Adam, what's intriguing about what you just said is their choice. They had all, all those guys available. There was a lot of movement in the quarterback market, but the choice was not to go into free agency, but let's make a trade. The Bears didn't have many picks, but they decided that they wanted to trade for Nick Foles and they're going to restructure the contract and pay him the guaranteed money that is owed him. And Foles just happens to have all of these connections to the coaching staff, including the new coaches, whether we're talking about uh, offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, Matt Nagy, just about every coach on the offensive side have uh, worked with Nick Foles in the past. And as far as last year, I, I think that you're right, that there's no doubt that Trubisky would have been benched. But the problem was there was zero competition in that room. If you think back to the Rams game, it looked like Nagy did want to bench him at some point, but you, you couldn't justify throwing Chase Daniel out there because he was basically a, a glorified coach. And I, I don't like to put too much on uh, some of the chatter that we see through the media by head coaches, but something that Matt Nagy said this offseason that has stuck with me is he said that he wants Mitch Trubisky to know the playbook better than he does. Well, we all know that's never, ever going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And that's, uh, again, sort of hitting it on the head with Foles and all those connections that he has. Like, I think that it's pretty obvious that Nagy wants like his guy under center and, and potentially Foles is that. But um, in addition to that Rams game, like if I'm thinking back on the top of my head right now as we're talking, probably the best overall Trubisky performance last season was against the Cowboys. I think that yes. was a Thursday night game. It but, was. And you look, it wasn't a surprise that he got probably 10 to 12 carries like he had a really good game on his feet in that game and that opened up opportunities I think I remember there being a, a score prop so I'm pretty sure he scored a touchdown as well um, but the, like there's 
there were sort of glimpses later in the season where like, here's what Trubisky can do. Here's how he can do it. But Nagy just was sort of really hesitant and just the play calling didn't quite add up to sort of maximizing those skill sets. So like what you mentioned about him forcing Trubisky to learn the playbook and those comments, I think it's really just setting up Trubisky in the media. And he's done a great job because I don't think there's anyone that likes Trubisky (laughs) anymore. Uh, I think it's just setting him up to ultimately bring in a new guy and not have sort of a blow of criticism coming with it. Oh, and it blew up yesterday again when we find out Pat Mahomes couldn't make as much as $503 million. And we all know that Pace traded up to number two to avoid Pat Mahomes and avoid Deshaun Watson so he can get his guy, Mitch Trubisky, with the second overall selection. Joe Ostrowski with Adam Chernoff, Sports Radio 670, the score. Uh, Let's move over to golf. And I want to, before we get to this weekend and what we expect to see at the same location, back-to-back weeks here, is uh, a, a tweet that I saw that you sent out, I think it was some point last week, and I loved it because it's something that I've also noticed uh, since the return to play with the PGA Tour. And, and you had mentioned that you think everybody is thinking alike because we're all looking at the same stats and putting our models together, whether you, you use websites like fantasynational.com or however you compile everything. It's just a lot of groupthink. Now, it's paid off for a lot of people so far, but uh, I, I'm a little worried about that. If, if you're looking to piggyback a lot of people in the betting community, because those things don't last very long. Why do you think there's just so much agreement? Do you think it's the stats like you mentioned, or is there a lot of just copycats out there? So I, I, I had a really good stint of golf betting uh, when I was younger, like 2012, 2013. And then I really got away from it. And the, I just had this, this space for the game overall. Cause I was living for somewhere I can't play long story, but I got away from it and I got back into it this year. And like, I think back to 2012, 2013, like there wasn't widely available strokes gain stats. And it was a lot of, uh, looking at prices, looking at how books move their prices, what I was good at, and I had a lot of success with it. But now I think, first of all, that fantasy golf and DraftKings and Daily Fantasy Weekly stuff has had an enormous influence on how bettors approach and think about betting golf. Because for the majority of all content that is produced around golf betting, there is significantly less discussion about price in comparison to any other sport where the point spread, the total, the money line is like front and center with golf. It is all dominated by stats. And in my opinion, a lot of them are more geared towards fantasy golf than they are golf betting. Mm -hmm. I find it interesting that even though if like we say, we look at NFL, there are a couple key sort of stats, whether it be net yards for players, success rate, or evaluating performance against schedule. Like there's different, sort of categories that betters can fall into and sort of support their approach or what they're thinking in terms of betting. When it comes to golf, the PGA tour has shot link and shot link is sort of it provides the strokes gain data. But then there are a couple different websites that don't do anything special with the data. They just present it in different ways or allow you to customize it in different ways. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we're looking at the exact same strokes gains numbers for each of the categories in comparison to like football, you can bet on an NFL game, like 15 to 20 different ways. And those numbers don't necessarily 
cross over. You can sort of pick and choose the matchups that you want to. Like, there's a lot that goes into it. With golf, it's basically become, here's the course we're playing. Here's the profile of the guys who fit the course based on winners in the past. And then it's whether you value recent form or if you value um, the past history on the course and you just try sort of build something that supports that player. And when you're doing that, what I found by listening and consuming a lot of content is really anyone in the field can have a case made for them to perform well at this course. And there's a lot of sort of dismissal of, when guys don't have any chance whatsoever to win because the price is so high that we just say, well, that's an appealing bet and we take it. So like definitely strokes gained is something that has to be used by anyone betting golf because it's the main source of data, but it's also something that has an enormous impact and influence within the market. So if you're ignoring it completely, then you're missing a huge piece of the puzzle. But I, I'm just amazed at how in a field of 150 guys like last week, the vast majority of content producers all settle on Doc Redmond of everybody else. For example. <laughs> like it's just, it's right. such a random name and a guy that's at longer odds. He opened 70, 80 to one on some of the exchanges in the UK. He was closer to 200 to one. And he got bet down. He closed at like 25 to one. Like it's just, it's amazing how so many people can get to the exact same one or two guys of 150. And like you said, it's been winning. So it's, there's, it's just it, to me, it's very interesting. We're in a 16 game NFL slate. Uh, there's such a wide variety of opinion. Are there some exchanges that, that you like to look at uh, outside of the U.S. that you trust a little bit? And and it seems like what you're witnessing is the U.S. market kind of moves one way and other markets move other ways. The U.S. markets are not necessarily they probably get a worse rep than they deserve for the outright prices. Um, The thing with outright pricing from a bookmaking perspective is if I have 150 golfers, there's something that exists and is very prominent in betting called the favorite long shot bias. And so like we just talked about, if you're a better and you see a guy at a hundred to one, the ability to distinguish whether he's 100 to 1 or 500 to 1, that gap as it is is very small. It sounds a lot bigger. But the ability to mm-hmm. distinguish the difference in that is very difficult. Whereas if a guy like Bryson last week is 6 to 1, we can really easily make a case for why 6 to 1 is too short or too long. And so what that causes in bookmaking is, and I don't want to get too numbers heavy, but there's a margin installed in the prices. So the bookmakers price in an edge into the market. Usually with golf, it's priced to about 130%, which sounds like a huge number considering that a point spread in NFL at minus 110 aside is about 104%. But that 130% is maybe added in just a couple percentage points at the top of the market on the favorites because it's much easier for bookmakers to get to an accurate price on those favorites. And then there's a huge price move down further in the market on some of these long shots that have an enormous amount of margin priced into their price because bookmakers use it as uncertainty. They don't know exactly what the right price is. Is it 100 to 1? Is it 80 to 1? Is it 200 to 1? But then also it's a way for them to avoid taking on a lot of risk. The reason that it's so different with the exchange is because the exchange just matches two bettors. So they take a commission off of the two bets that are matched 
and somebody says, yeah, if you want Doc Redman at 200 to one, I don't think he's going to win. How much do you want to bet? I will book that bet. And then that bet is locked in. So with the exchange, something like Betfair, where there's anywhere between five to $15 million matched in bets per event, uh, you're going to see very different prices, usually much longer shots towards the bottom of the market because these guys have such a little opportunity of winning that people are willing to take them at bigger odds on the exchange. But then you get much more accurate numbers at the top of the market because those prices become much more efficient because between two or 100 guys who are matching bets back and forth, they're able to get to that price much quicker and discover what the right number is rather than those long shots. Adam Chernoff, any golfers that stand out to you for the Workday Charity Open? I have been getting killed since the restart. So if you are <laughs> listening to this and you're tempted, uh, I would advise to tread very, very lightly. Um, but I am intrigued by Victor Hovland, who I think is really on the brink of potentially breaking out. And something I found very interesting was uh, there was a lot of media done at the Charles Schwab event uh, that came out of the break and obviously with the restart. And a lot of the guys were asked what they were working on, uh, what they were trying to improve during this downtime. And it was we got a lot of clarity into what these guys were doing, but also the state of their game. I think golf interviews are very important because you can take a lot from what the guys say. And Hovland was like very blunt and very sort of outgoing, talking about how much he's struggling, chipping the ball, playing around the greens, working with his wedges. And if we look at the four events since the restart where he talked about how much he worked on his wedge play during the break and during the time away from golf, he's come back and put together four events in a row where he's finished top 25. But his wedge game and play in general around the green has improved substantially versus the numbers that he has averaged over the last two years. He's still unable to put the ball in the hole when he gets on the green, but despite all that, he's putting together these fantastic finishes. And if we look at sort of the field overall for the last two events, he's right up there in terms of how he's playing off of the tee along with his irons into greens. So the fact that the least confident part of his game and one that he has been stressing and one that's really held him back throughout his young PGA Tour career is something that's now starting to turn around, and he's starting to confirm that in the interviews that he's saying, I think is really, really promising for a very talented player. Uh, his price was pushed back a little bit because of the strength of field that this event has. It's going to be another very difficult event to win. But something that's very interesting about this course, there's a big emphasis on driving accuracy. If we look at, again, sort of talking about how guys think about betting, if we look at the course history here at Murfield and the Memorial, that event, which is held next week, is going to look very different from the event held this week. And we've already got a lot of stuff coming out. The greens, they're going to be running much slower. Expected to run around an 11 next week. They're ramping up to a 13.5. So these greens, which are smaller than average, typically run very, very quick. And that makes putting very difficult on this bent grass surface. But this week, they're running much slower in comparison to an average event. Easier to make putts. Guys like Hovland, poor putters, sort of excused a little bit. The rough, where driving accuracy at this event historically has played a huge part. The rough is only going to be about three inches thick this week. On Saturday, Brown's crew is going to let it grow out. It's going to get longer. It's going to get thicker in anticipation of the event next week. But a lot of reprieve here this week. So poor putters like Hovland get a bit of an excuse. 
uh, but also guys who are like Hovland who are very long off the tee, potentially not the most accurate, get a bit of reprieve as well with this rough being shorter. And where this ultimately leads me, I think, last week for the concluding point, is the Detroit Golf Club. We only saw it one year prior, but that was another event that was moved into a different part of the schedule. The Memorial at Murfield is typically held at the end of May. Now we're seeing it in the second week in July. Last week, Kevin Kisner, to give an example on Sunday, was hitting drives 330 yards because he was getting this run up from the fairway after the course was baking in 30-degree heat. We're going to see that again this week. So where accuracy was typically a huge thing and this really favored guys that we could hit it long off the tee and be accurate, now we get shorter rough, but we're also going to see a ton of run out of the golf ball. So I think accuracy, which, again, a lot of people are going to value in their course fit, is discounted just a little bit here as there's going to be so much extra distance added and guys are going to have shorter clubs than they would if they were to miss the fairway in the typical event. So uh, all that said, I really think Hovland, one of the standout guys as well, and that price on Morikawa, another guy very, very high this week uh, for what it should be. At Adam Chernoff on Twitter, check out FaceTime Football. Adam, always enjoy the conversation. Can't wait to do it again. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.